What's happening? Was it? <laughs> Wait, are we are we doing what's happening? Am I, am I Raj or am I uh, rerun? Wow, that's a deep cut. Yeah, people are not going to get that reference, are they? I, probably not. You know, I met a uh, Jean Jean dancing machine. Uh, at what? Where, where, where was I? God, I don't even remember where I was. Do you remember uh, the Gong Show? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I vaguely remember. It. I'm not that old, but uh... <laughs> well, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but well, the Gong Show always just makes me think about uh, what's the movie with. Uh, Ah, crap. Sam Rockwell? Yeah. Yeah. What's the name of the movie? I don't remember. No. It, it, uh, Clooney produced it, didn't he? Yeah, it was a good movie, actually, right? I like Sam Rockwell. Uh, the Moon movie? Did you ever see that, Moon? Moon. Uh, never saw Moon. I never saw Moon. I hear it's a very psychological. It's pretty trippy. Yeah. yeah. Directed yeah. by Duncan Jones, yep. David Bowie's son. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's uh, I, I've heard it's very good. Um, it's the kind of sci-fi that isn't always my favorite. Yeah. So I haven't gotten around to watching it, but uh, I've I've heard nothing but good things. As you, so, OK, let's yeah. you know what? Let's start here. Let's okay. start here. In, in the, what is this, by the way? What are we? This uh, is episode. My God. <laughs> Three hundred and fifty nine <laughs> of the On Taking Pictures program. Is it? Yeah. Are you sure? Uh, I thought it was three sixty. No, I think it's 359. Um, yeah, last week was 358. This is 359. Okay. That's how All that's right. how numbers work. I, I stand Oh. I stand corrected. By the way, one thing, G. one thing we never say is I'm Bill Wadman and you're Jeffrey Sidoris. Right. I don't know that it, right. people might have a thing about that. Uh that's who we are. Yeah, okay. Anyway, and, go ahead. And this for, if this is your first time with us, this show started in 2012. It started three minutes ago, Jeffrey. Right. <laughs> uh, and then it went to like 2018. Yeah. And then we took a break. Yeah. And then we came back last year. And, and hotter than ever. Hotter than ever. That's right. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> uh yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I cut you off. You were going to well, say. No, something. I was just going to cerebral sci-fi movies. Sure. So. 2001. Solaris. Is that, so, okay, Solaris. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Sunlight. Did you see that one? The Danny Boyle one with uh, Killian Murphy. Uh, wait, give me a little more. What's that one about? They, they. It's a. Uh, there's a mission. The sun is dying, and okay. there's a mission to go restart the sun. Okay. Basically, and Killian Murphy plays the uh, the the scientist who's figured out how to restart the sun. I feel so like they, I have seen that one. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I, my, my general thing with it, it was funny. I was watching, um, I was watching Apollo 13 yesterday on the rowing machine. Mm -hmm. Oh God, that movie is so good too. And the scene where they go see the grandmother and the little girl's crying and the grandmother's like, are you scared? And the little girl's like, you know, head shakes. Yes. And she says, don't you worry, Missy. If, if they could uh, make a washing machine fly, my Jimmy could land it. <laughs> Right. It's like, what a great line. Um, 
Uh, I tend to like, it's not that I don't like adventure sci-fi movies. I mean, I, I love the Martian. I love, you know, uh, but it doesn't need to be star Wars. It needs to be, if it's, if it's a psychological thing that could have happened in a room on earth, except they just stuck it in space. That's less interesting to me. Okay. Like, so are you a fan of Nolan? Like the inception? I thought inception was great. Yeah. Yeah. Interstellar? Uh, yes. Interstellar I love. Uh, okay. um, so yeah, those I like. It's the ones where people are sitting in their cabins on the ship and it's like, it's 2334. Right. My mind is... is all monologue. From, all, yeah, all, yeah, all, all that nonsense. Isolated monologue. Oh yeah. God, it's just like, yeah, I get it. You're sad. You're depressed. You're in a spaceship in the middle of space. Yeah, But I that's kind of what the Martian was, no? <laughs> yes, but Martian was like, okay, I'm actively trying to get home. You know, which is a different thing. Like, okay, today I did this. Tomorrow I did that. As opposed to more of a psychological thing where it just becomes, I don't know, it just becomes a little drippy. It's also the reason, and I know, I know, I know. It's the thing about Blade Runner, too, is the same kind of way to me. Where it's like, it's more about what's going on. Click. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's just never done anything for me. Um, yeah. Did but, you like the second one, 2049? Uh, I thought it was very long and very boring. I thought it was beautiful, but I thought it was boring, which is what I thought about the first one, too. Um, yep. Except for Rutger Hauer sticking his arm through a wall or whatever happens at the end of the first one. Okay. We can keep going. I know. A lot of people disagree with me on this. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's, you just, I, you I just don't like Ryan Gosling. He's just too pretty for you. Oh, That's man. What he is. is so good looking. If Ryan Gosling, you know, I'm in. That's all I'm saying. And I'm not into much. Well, there you Jeffrey's go. like, I don't know where to go. <laughs> I, I, I'm and I wrote, thanks for being here, gang. Uh, <laughs> this is your first time listening. It's uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I like Ryan Gosling. I, you know what? I loved him in La La Land. Yeah, I like the choices that he makes. He seems like he's a pretty nice guy too. And that's... did you see his speech that he gave at the? He won the Kirk Douglas Award at the. Is it the Santa Barbara Film Festival? Uh, I probably did not see this speech. What, what a lovely guy. Just, just sweet. Doesn't and he bring his mother to things and, at times? And yeah, stuff? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, listen, you can't go wrong with a guy who brings his mother to an award show. It's nice to see when people are cool like that. You know, speaking of old things, unless you have some, I, I just want to throw something in here. No, if, we if, can talk about you. <laughs> no, it's not about me at all, actually. <laughs> oh, oh, another old thing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> zing! Ah, the tables have turned, Wadman. <laughs> uh. Have you watched, there's a documentary about the making of We Are the World on Netflix that came out I last I saw week. that. The Greatest Night in Pop. Did you watch it? I did. Okay. I was I was hoping you had watched it. Um, yes. I found Are it. Are you kidding? I'm an 80s kid. Okay. Of course I watched it. I found it fascinating. Yes. Uh, on so many levels. But what I found most fascinating, and which is kind of apropos of our general topic of conversation, is... If you you had all these people in this room, they were the greatest pop stars of the 10, 15 years previous, right? Yep. You know, all of them in one place, not all of them, but like so many of them in one place. Yeah. yeah. All of them except Prince. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he wanted nothing to do with it. Was it was being like a little, you know, I like Prince. I love Prince. There's certain Prince songs I, I absolutely adore. But like yeah. Prince seems like he'd be a real bitch sometimes. Like, yeah. he just seems like he's a jerk. He said if there, if, if there wasn't a guitar solo, he didn't want to do yeah, it. Yeah, like, come on. <laughs> like, dude, I understand you're Prince, but 
freaking Bruce Springsteen and, you know, Michael Jackson yeah. are in the room. You, It's okay. Yeah. Like, you can just be one of all of them. Anyway, what was fascinating to me is how when you took away their safety blanket of their own material, of their sycophants that follow them around, yeah, of their the entourage... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of of all of it, when you when you strip them down to the person that they probably were 15 years prior, it's amazing how vulnerable all of them look, feel, and speak when even when they're talking about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. it was like, I, I didn't know what to sing. And I'm trying to, you know, Huey Lewis, I'm trying to figure out the he wanted me to do a harmony. I was like, what harmony do I? And Steve Perry's there, and this person's there, and whatever. But every single person they talked to was like, Wow, I was outgunned in that room. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't and, I don't remember who said it, but there was a throwaway line that was like, if a bomb goes off in here, John Denver's back on top. Who yeah, who was yeah, that? Yeah. That said uh, that? I, I I I think it was somebody who was um uh uh one of the t- regular talking heads, like the non musician talking heads, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. was doing it. By the way, uh, Tom Baylor, you know the guy who did all the arrangements, bald headed guy they interview in the in the studio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, um, I, I, I know that guy. I've met that guy. He's a friend huh. of coupons and I met him at coupons house one time. He just showed up one day. Um, when I was sitting there with coupon, nice guy. He wrote, yeah, uh, I, she's, she's out of my life on, on off oh, the wall. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I, I love how the, when they, they came in and, and Quincy was like, yeah, we're there. There are all the tape marks on the floor and they're like, well, you're just going to sing it. You're going to look at each other. You're going to sing it together. You're yeah. Not, we're not overdubbing everything. Yeah. And, and everybody was just like, <gasps> Yeah. What? Yeah, they, I don't want to sing in front of him or her exactly. or whatever it was. That's the part that I I loved. And then when he's just like, "Come on, just get up to the mic. We're not going to hear you if you sing back there." Right. You know. And 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 Bob Dylan being like, oh, "It's like uh, right." And then and then they're just like, they had "Oh, to clear the room for him." Yeah, but Quincy goes over to Bob and it's just like, "Bob, that was great, man. Like what you were doing there was fantastic. I didn't even think about that octave down. Like that's going to fit perfectly. Just trying to like stroke him to get." Just enough confidence out of him where you could get what you want out of him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's I I thought it was amazing, and then he's just like Stevie, can you help me out? And, and like Bob Dylan and Stevie Wonder are sitting at the piano, and Stevie Wonder's like basically doing a Bob Dylan shtick, trying to show Bob Dylan how to beat Bob Dylan. Right. It's like right. It, the whole thing. I don't. I just I found it amazing just watching the interaction between these people, who most of the time are just like I'm the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. You know, yeah, and how? Yeah, what, it was it was neat. There were little insights into people. I I also liked when I think it was Lionel Richie who was talking about going over to Michael Jackson's house, and Michael doesn't play any instruments. Yeah, he just sings stuff. So he just sings every part, sings yeah. the, the the drums, the pianos, the it mm-hmm. sings everything into little recorders, and then layers it himself to make a vocal demo. Yeah, there are there are some demos from of like Billy Jean and stuff. Where it's like, dum, 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 dum. it's like him, him just, just sitting there doing everything. Yeah. 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 Bum, 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 like that. Uh, Fascinating. Yeah. No, it was, it was totally good. And trying to herd the cats of all of them up on the risers. All right, people, come on, let's go. Let's get this done. Right. Right. And, right. Right. And it's so funny because it, it kind of reminds me of uh, you and I talked about get back a little bit. Right. I think at some point. Or, the Beatles doc. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, Where. So often for people who don't do whatever it is, whether it's taking pictures or painting or, 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 uh, or making music like this, you know, recording, 
that that the process doesn't change. If you made a record today, it's pretty much like that in the studio and everything takes way more time than you think it does. Mm-hmm. So, and in the movies and TV shows, most of the time when they show the process of writing music or recording stuff, it's not the way it really is. And the reality of reality of it is far less sensational. It's far more just down to the ground. Like, wait, what's the harmony? Hmm, hmm. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. I mean, right, that's right, right, right. I mean, when Lionel Richie is trying to find the note to sing underneath the thing, which is a fairly straightforward line harmony, but Lionel Richie's trying to figure it out with Huey Lewis and who it's like, are you kidding me? Right. You'd think right. that these people would just be able to blow this stuff out, but they don't. It takes work. It takes time. It takes like effort, you know? Well, and and think of this, this was 30 odd years ago. Yeah. And just to rewind the tape took several minutes to get back. Yeah. So they, they started, remember that part where they started, like, let's work on the bridge yeah. while it's, while we're waiting for the tape to rewind to get to the spot that we need to work on next. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, you're, you're, you're progressing in a, you're, you're almost creating non-linearly in a system that can only record and 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 produced in a linear fashion. It's very strange how how they kind of overcame a lot of the technical obstacles. Absolutely, and it's it's. I mean, in, I remember I had a, I had a professor uh, at Berkeley who was talking about because he, he was an old school guy used to do on two inch tape. You know, and I may have told this story before, but I'll do it real quick. He 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 was saying that you know you would get to the end of the mix, you you know run it through, you're mixing whatever it is, you get to the end, all right, run it back, okay, and we'll you know, and he's like, in, in the thirty seconds or whatever it is, it takes to run back seven thousand feet of two inch tape going at thirty second, thirty inches a second or whatever. Um, you can think your br- your brain kind of just relaxes a little bit. He said, in the first time I worked on a, a record and we recorded to hard disk, the assistant was like, oh, I can just set it up to loop. So the minute it got to the end, it started at the beginning. Mm. Of whatever he was doing. And he was like, whoa, no, 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 no. Like, I can't, I need the time it takes for it to rewind for my brain to sort of have perspective, you know? And it's so funny how some of the limitations that are in all of these processes are kind of what makes them doable by mortals. Right, right. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I you, there's a, probably a parallel to filmmaking, right? Of, sure. of changing film magazines or checking the gate yep. or, you know, all of these things that, that have gone by the wayside. But in retrospect, they gave the filmmakers a chance to kind of gather their thoughts before they moved on rather than just, we've got to go, we've got to go, we've got to go. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, of course, everything's a double-edged sword, right? Nowadays mm-hmm. in movies, they can, you know, I was uh, listening to, uh, I forget the guy's name, on the Deacons podcast, it was Ryan Johnson's cinematographer, whose name mm-hmm. I can't remember, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah, Team Deacons, fantastic podcast if you're into cinematography and Movie making, yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's really good. And they were talking to that guy and he's just like, you know, He's like, I don't use a DIT on set most of the time. I don't have oh, really? a video village. I don't. He's like, it doesn't really help me in, in the sense mm. that he's like, I like to operate my own camera when I can. And he's just he says, you know, what is the point of all this digital stuff if I can't just grab that camera and go do a shot outside? If 20 people have to move 16 monitors outside for me to do what I do, because the only way I can see it is through six machines where they're putting LUTs on different things and whatever. Right, He's just right. like, and what if one of those goes wrong? And I don't know what I'm really seeing. Like, I'd rather just sort of know what I know in the camera and deal with all of that later, you know? And interesting. Yeah. It, it was just, it was just like a totally different way of it just, you can, I guess my point is you can choose to do all these things simply now, but people tend to, not to in the same way that you know you could get a 
an R5 or a whatever that can shoot 30 frames a second, you could shoot it in single shot mode with manual focus. You could shoot it like an a, a like in you know a, a Nikon F2 if you really wanted to. I don't think many people do. You know, yeah, it's like you're 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 seduced by the ease or something. You know, yeah, but there is. I mean, and we've talked about this both directly and indirectly a lot that the limitations are often what makes the great art or it allows the great art to find you or however you need to see it. Why can't the limitations be artificial? I suppose they can. Right. But we tend not to, even when we have the opportunity to do that, you could, you could shoot a red camera or a black magic camera and say, I can only do two minute clips because that's what a canister of film was or whatever. You could, you could shoot it like that if you really wanted to. I don't think many people do. Because they go, oh, well, I could do two minute and 50 second clips. Oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, Um, and I wonder if it's because at least in part. Things have gotten so expensive and you're paying so many people to be there, right, that you you don't have that. You you often don't have that luxury of and you've experienced this on on still shoots. Sure. You know, you've got an art director and a picture editor and a. You know, in a in a whatever. All if these I people said, kind I'm going to shoot 36 pictures every 10 minutes because that's what I used to do on film. People would be like, are you kidding? Right. Me? I'm going to take an artificial break that it would take me to reload my cameras and I'm going to think this through. You would get skewered. Yeah. I think that I think that is the thing is that, um, you know, the expectations move on. I was listening to a thing yesterday where, and this is slightly political. Anyway, the the guy was talking about how, I think it was on Twitter yesterday. They were talking about how um, somebody on the, on the panel knew somebody who had multiple full-time jobs right now because they work at home and they've taken Mm -hmm. full-time jobs with both people. And they're, and somebody said, well, they're not giving 40 hours a week to, to, to both of the jobs. Right. And the other person said, yeah, but like if they can get that job done in 10 hours, instead of 40 hours and the deliverables are there and everyone's happy. Why is that not okay? And I guess my point to that would be, well, if you could do it in 10 minutes, why don't I give you four times the amount of work for the amount of money that I'm giving you? You know what I'm saying? Like if, if you can yeah, really, on, on some level, then you're punishing being good. Well, absolutely. But it's, you're, but, you're, 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 yeah, go ahead. But if everybody can do it in 10 minutes and just, or, you know, in 10 hours instead of 40 hours, then, Maybe the but definition of that job is, can, is is the point. Well, that's this is the this is the weird thing. But that now we get back into a place where there's like, oh, there's people who are better than other people, so they're allowed to make more money because of that. And there's a lot of people who balk against that too. You know, I know it's just it was just a really interesting conversation, and it and it it just shows that as technology moves on, I think that our expectations of what someone can do with that technology change too. You know. The fact Absolutely. That- and, and I think part of that is because we are seeing we are seeing exceptional people do exceptional things. And, and because that technology may be readily available, we assume that everybody should still be should be able to achieve those same results. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you when you look back at something somebody did in a bygone era and it's something impressive. <laughs> the 90s. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Uh, somebody sent in a, 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 a little YouTube documentary video. I think it was on our, our, uh, on taking pictures thing. Somebody sent in a, a link to a thing about the, uh, the, the photos on the moon, moon yes. rise. Oh, there was Emmett yeah. Noller sent it in. This photo shouldn't exist. I'll put it in the show notes. 
Um, it's like a 15 minute documentary by this guy talking about Moonrise from Apollo 8 and how all the pictures before and after that shot that everyone loves were blurry or underexposed or whatever it is like this one happened to be whatever. And he goes sort of into the history of photography in space and it's very interesting. It's great. Um, so there was a part of it where they talk about how the astronauts said that the colors were different in space than they are when they shoot on film. So when they took the reference photo on film or on the earth rather, and then went up to space, shot pictures, and then came back down and processed it according to the reference photo taken on Earth, that the colors were different than what the what the astronauts remember in space. And the NASA people were wondering if something weird was happening with radiation or fogging or something that was causing this shift. And so on the next uh, Gemini flight, they you say Gemini or Gemini? I would say Gemini, but I've heard it pronounced, especially by people back in the program, as Gemini. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Anyway, yeah, where they brought the color chart up into space, had a little holder to stick it to the end of the camera, went out into space, took the picture of the color chart in space and brought it back down. And I was thinking to myself, okay, if I was nowadays and I had those two images... I could do all kinds of transmutations in Photoshop to make those match to figure out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How to correct. Okay, I have this reference and I have that reference. How do I correct between the two to make this work? Right. And I was thinking, well, how the heck did they do that back then? Was that by eye? Were they measuring the relative brightness of each of the channels? You know what I'm saying? Like I was I was trying to do. I don't think so. Would they? I Well, that's my question. They're NASA. They're going to do it by the numbers. Like, did they do it chemically? Did you did you put physical filters between them? You know what I'm saying? Like, I was trying to figure out, was, was it like, was it like um, uh, 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 printer lights like they used to do back in the film days where you could go up or down in each of the, you know, the three color channels? Like, you know. See, it's a shame that Kubrick is not still alive. We could ask him how he did it on the soundstage yeah. in Van Nuys. But, um, but you get, you get my point, right? Like that, that, yes, that, that things that I could do here at home on my Mac with far more precision than NASA could do it 50 years yeah. ago. With built-in software. Yes. With, with, or yeah. off-the-shelf software. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, and it's just, it is, it, but, but now we're expected to be able to do all this stuff. Where I went the other day, um, a friend of mine's an artist, Michael Sanzone, is a, is, a, is a visual artist. And he hired me to take pictures of his art at this gallery the other day. He's like, Hey, could you do, come do me a favor and, and come shoot this art? In fact, I think you might actually like this art a lot. I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a uh, export one of these and send it to you. Um, that he, uh, he does, uh, 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 he takes casks, um, like barrels and then wine he, casks. Uh, I think whiskey casks. I think. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and then and then he like cuts them up and then makes these crazy sort of four foot wide. I'm sending you an image in uh, chat. Um, there it is. Uh, where he cuts them up and then turns them into these crazy sort of Tetrisy jigsaw things, but they're also like three dimensional. Uh, oh, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's neat. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so he's been doing this you know, kind I of love stuff. A grid. For, Come on, I know, and he's been doing this stuff for years. And so I go there to take the pictures of the of of this art on the walls. Now, I'm at a gallery. There's how these, big is this? Uh, four feet. 
Oh, wow. It's good size. It's big. Yeah. Um, and he, he had a few of them and then he has smaller ones. He has like a whole thing that he does. Um, so, uh, I'm, I, I set up my camera and I have, there's overhead fluorescent lights. And then there's some that are like a little warmer, like not quite incandescent, but somewhere in the 4,000 K range, you know what I mean? Somewhere in between incandescent and, and daylight, a little warmer than daylight, but then there's daylight coming through the windows in the front of the place. Now, if I was going to do this, if this was a Caravaggio or something, I would probably set up my own lights and black it all out. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But of course, I'm I'm not going to do that for this kind of thing. But I shot it, and then I went and shot it with a color card in front of it, <clears throat> so I could have some reference when I came home. And it's interesting because when I do the white balance for the color card, it comes out to I don't know, like say, I don't know, was it 3800 something like that, 3861 Kelvin white balance. But if I white balance to the wall, because the wall was slightly warm, if I white balance to the wall, then it's, you know, lower than that. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the it's, it's, so it's a little warmer when I use my color card versus use the wall. Cause you can see the wall is not quite neutral. Um, and it's sort of like, well, which is right. You know, this is more what it looked like when I went and saw it in the room. Cause that's the light that was on it. But if you want to be scientifically correct, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's yes. But I mean, at what point do you just go, it is what it is. Well, that's, that's, I, that's the thing. And now I'm sure that there are some artists who would say that's not the yellow that those casks are. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's very happy with these pictures, but I could, you could see somebody saying that's not the real color of those casks. The real color yeah. of the casks is, you know, this exact thing I, and getting real anal about it. Or if they're shooting at Smithsonian, cause this was from 1847, they would get even more anal about it, you know? Right. I mean, look, I, I'm going through some of the same things. I, and it, and it's down, some of it's down to the lighting, yep. but some of it's down to the way that digital sensors capture colors. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it just, the blue green especially is not right. And I have to, no matter how I light it, no matter what I do with white balance, I have to end up tweaking the, the teals especially to get them right. There, do you, where do you do that in, in capture one or, or in, I mean, in, in, in post, in, yeah. It, but yeah. it, but a individual color channel kind of thing, or how, mm-hmm, do, how do you, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Often with, with the, th- the, you know, I'll go grab the original and I'll have it sitting next to me so I can kind of look and see what, what matches. And even then, but what kind of light is it sitting next to you at the computer? You know what I mean? You, well, it, I, I try yeah. and, I try and do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I light, I, I put, I bring my light in and so it's under the same kind of light. But even so, unless you're standing there next to the original holding the print up to it, yeah, what difference does it make? Right, 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 right. I mean, this guy is looking for a reference for the gallery and for his own, you know, archives and whatever it is. Um, yeah. And then there's the question of like, you know, how how dark should it be? Out of camera, it was a little less vibrant than that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Should I give it a little pop or a little vibrance or should I open up the shadows a little bit? Because you want to actually see the grain in the shadows as opposed to the shadows just going black because the point of this is to see the artwork. You know what I mean? Like it's it's there are correct answers to this. I could say the black point on my color checker card is black. But when I do that, a lot of it really goes black. And it's like, well, that's right. too dark. Right. That's what I'm saying is like it, you I don't think that you can depend on one metric in that situation no because it's going to throw something else out of whack if you if you adhere to this thing then this other thing over here is going to be 
either slightly or maybe even dramatically off. Yeah. Yeah. But then you take pictures of 15 things and then how do you get consistency between them if you're not doing the same exact thing to all of them? I'll let you know when I figure it out. Yeah. Right. But it's it's, hard. It's it's tweaking every so far for me, it's making little tweaks to every every picture. I haven't figured out a way that I can get exact. Even if I expose the same way, same lighting conditions, et cetera, et cetera. It's still there are still differences. I you know what I I was doing that thing for IBM a few years ago and I shot a bunch of people on white over the course of three days. And I remember that, that portrait project, right? Yeah. Like a corporate yeah. headshot thing. Yeah, yeah. For their, for their annual report. And yeah. it's, but the, the tricky thing was is that like some people were really pale white people. Some mm-hmm. people were darker skinned black people, you know, and it's like, well, I set up the light and it looks good on Joe, but on Jane, it looks a little blown out. And on Tim, mm-hmm. it's a little too dark. But mm-hmm. if I bring those up, those are also spilling onto the background a little bit because the background's not pure white. It's like 240 white, something like that. You know what I mean? Because you don't want it like yeah. blown out, blown out because you want to have something. But then if you put a little more light on the key light in front, maybe that background goes up to 244, or 245. And now Tim's picture looks out of sorts with the rest of them. So you got to go in and you know what I mean? You're you're sort of adjusting back and forth from different ends trying to get so what it. did you end up doing? Did you end up correcting... <sighs> In situ, or did you end up shooting it all consistent and then correcting in post? Well, you have to give it a little more light for people with really dark skin, and you have to give it a little less light. You know, I mean, you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that it's it's yeah. I ended up doing it. I ended up shooting it at the moment. I I would change the light if I felt like I needed more light on somebody's skin or a little less light because it was blowing out. I would change the light, um, and then have to deal with it in post, which was a big pain in the neck. Wow. Um, but I and are we talking like full stops or is it much more incremental, uh, more incremental, like somewhere within a, a half stop up or down, you know, mm, wow. on the person? Because yeah. it's also if they're wearing really dark clothing and you, you would say, well, if they're wearing dark clothing, have it be dark. And it's like, yeah, but they have to look like a set when right. they're next to each other. You know, what right. I mean? and you don't want to go, you know, scanning down them. And then this one looks like it's a stop and a half underexposed just because they were wearing a, a dark turtleneck. or Exactly. Something. And you know what? Yeah consistency is hard. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's it's, (laughs) in all things. (laughs) Yeah. It really is. I mean, it's really difficult. And it's, and you would think that, you know, me taking pictures of art, the woman who I, I, the woman at the gallery was sitting there and, and and we were chatting away while, while we were talking. And I said, um, well, I was shooting and she's like, Oh, is this, is this what you do? Do you, do you shoot art a lot? It's like, no, actually I, I shoot portraits usually, but you know, he's a friend of mine and I'm able to do this kind of stuff. So I'm happy to help him out. And, um, and we were talking about it and I was just like, man, like if you did this all day long and then I started thinking, let's say I wanted to do more of this. Maybe this was like a lucrative thing in my head. I was like, oh, going and shooting art at galleries. Like I, I have the camera gear to do that. I have the knowledge of photography to do that. Well, like if I can do that and make a few bucks, maybe that's a worthwhile thing to look into. Right. Mm hmm. And then I was thinking, okay, let's say if I was going to do that, how, what would my process be? Would it be different than I'm doing today? Would I yeah. black it out? Would I have big soft boxes on either side to give it a consistent thing? Do I shoot it in situ? How do I deal with color? How do I deal with lights? How do I deal with the light changing over the time that I'm shooting all the stuff going down this wall? You know what I mean? And yeah. does yeah, that yeah. stuff matter? Do those people care as much as I'm caring right now? I don't think they do. Because here's the thing. If you, if you walk into the National Gallery here in D.C., 
walk into the National Gallery bookstore and look at the same image on different types of prints, products, etc., you're going to see vast differences in color correction. You're going to see vast differences in tonal quality. It's not consistent across things. And if you look at, there was a show called Doubles and like the National Gallery shot this Rauschenberg and the Met shot that Rauschenberg and they were completely different. Colors were off. I mean, they were just, there wasn't any consistency between the two and they're, they're presented as a diptych. So it makes it even, even easier to see the discrepancies. Yeah. And it was just like, at some point you have to go, what are we doing? Yeah. Because who, who, who do we adhere? Which one is right? Right. You know, well, quote unquote. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, if you go, go on to Google and look up your favorite, you know, your favorite photograph that was taken on film or your favorite painting from back in the day or something. And mm-hmm. you will see how different, I mean, sometimes when Sandy and I are doing our, uh, uh, speaking of seeing things, right. Mm-hmm. She'll put up a slide of some work of art. And I'll be like, man, that, I, it's the slide she could find or whatever it is. And sometimes it's like low, lower res than I would have liked. So after the fact, I'll go back and say, I want to actually see that thing for real. And I'll go look it up. And the amount of different, totally different representations of that same piece yeah. of art. Yeah. That you find you're like, it's, wait, it's, that one's it's way kind more. of shocking. Really? Yes. This is, the shadows are all blocked up on this one. The color super warm on that one. It's like, wait, which one of these is right. And as you were saying, but, you almost imagine you do want them to stick it down in daylight balance lights with a color card. Like, let's get a reference of what right is. Mm-hmm. But, but that takes time. And yes. that takes money. And yep. that takes resources. And yep. maybe they get that painting for a day and they go, okay, we've got to shoot it for a catalog. We're doing the catalog resume of, you know, whatever, Manet. Yeah. But if they're not doing it at that level, who is? Yeah. You know, you think if anything, it would be the Met and the National Gallery who were doing that. But in some case, you know, and I mean, I you asked, knew people at Smithsonian, they were doing that kind of stuff, but they use color cards and all that stuff to get that stuff right. Absolutely. But like, the, like for this, for this book, I asked my friend at the gallery in particular, why did, why wouldn't you guys just, if you're doing this book and you're doing this show, why wouldn't you just reshoot this piece? So it's consistent with your photograph of the piece that you have. Yeah. And it was like, well, we can't do that because it's their piece. They have the rights to that piece. We yeah. we don't have the right to reshoot it. Isn't that, I was thinking about that the other day. If a painting is 300 years old and it's at the Met, do they own the, 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 the representation of that painting? Shouldn't that be in the, I don't, I don't know how that works. Shouldn't, I that, wish shouldn't I did. that be in the, like the, 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 yeah. the public domain by now? How many years back do you have to get yeah, out? It's a Caravaggio. I think it's thumb. in the public domain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i think about that stuff all the time yeah anyway i just it was it was it's it's fun shooting art but man it's hard it is you know and 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 I, again you're right i'm probably obsessing about it way more i mean i sent him to my buddy and he was like oh these are amazing you know because they're nine thousand yeah, pixels still looking on the side going well, this one's a little off and yeah. this is a little yeah yeah you know, it's like, well, yeah, but that, you know, this one was a little further down the wall, which means it was a little more in the pool of light from the, th- from the thing hanging from the ceiling. So it's a yeah. little brighter than that one. But if I darken it down to this, so these things are next to each other, like in a diptych, the backgrounds look consistent. Oh, well, that one's a little warmer. How, how the hell did that one go? Oh, well, I guess that light that was on it was a little warmer because the general overall ambience was a little cooler because it was the daylight. You know, you start really getting obsessive. Yeah. 
And that messes again, going back to that consistency thing. There's an, there's internal consistency and there's external consistency and they are often at odds with one another. Yes, 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 yes. It's, 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 it's something, uh, uh, uh I was, I had lunch with, uh, uh, my friend Clay Williams the other day and he was talking about how he had shot some old film, which by the way, man, we got a lot of feedback about shooting film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll yeah, thank you. Anybody who wrote in about shooting film, thanks very much. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a in a second. But he was saying that he shot some film and 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 you know the the uh, uh the the colors were all kind of screwed up because it was like you know it was expired or you know he had found it or it was old film or whatever. And I was just thinking, man, it's just so funny how far we've come that you know all these people want the weird unknown things of film, and yet thirty years ago, if you were a film photographer, you would buy cases of film put them in your fridge yeah store them meticulously shoot the, yeah. shoot the first couple rolls with test shots just to make sure that the consistency yeah. so you'll know what yeah. this batch is like the same lot number yeah absolutely all of that absolutely stuff. and now people want shot to shot or roll to roll and they're just like throw their hands up and they're like hey it's film and it's like yeah you get no, what you get <laughs> no like <laughs> film, <laughs> film photographers used to take this stuff really seriously yeah. Yeah. Because they were still going, they were, maybe that's because at the time that was the only way to go for accurate. And now accuracy is overrated or something. Yeah. But like you said, even within, if I bought a roll of ectochrome and it was manufactured in June, and then I bought another roll of ectochrome and it was manufactured, manufactured in September, there might be a subtle difference there. And if I hand that over to a client and they go, wait a minute, why do these pictures look like this? Why do these pictures look like that? Yes. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's And and, and people, yeah, people would get weird about that kind of stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of, you know, the, uh, remember that uh, Cherovkov? Who's that? Who's that photographer? Oh, crap. Uh, that guy in the 80s who, who would, I have the thing over on my, on my, on my thing. The guy who would make all this stuff for like Omni magazine colors and stuff. Oh, right. Cherevkov. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever his guy's name was. And I think about that kind of stuff where it's like, well, he's got colored gel backgrounds and he's got pink lights on this. I'm like, you were doing that on film? I mean, yeah. what you were coming out with from a color consistency point of view, maybe it didn't matter because it was the 80s and everything was crazy neon colors. So like no one knew what was right or wrong, but. I just I just think about like the consistency trouble that you're having getting your blues and and cyans and greens right on your modern thing where you have the raw data to to right right you have such granular control yeah. and it's still hard to get it right yeah I mean I remember yeah. watching Dan Winters a couple of years ago and he was sitting in Lightroom and he's going into the you know, the, the hue saturation luminance the HSL controls and he's like oh I'm gonna take the red and move shift it a little bit to the orange and then i'm going to bring down the com the the saturation of that and then yellow is going to come down and green's going to go up and this is going to and i'm like I mean, you're basically building a film from scratch is mm-hmm. what is what you're doing and even all of the film simulations in on fuji cameras you know there's this whole cottage industry did you know about this where people come up with custom film emulations for the fuji cameras oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's just like dialing in different settings and then saving mm-hmm. that and saying that's ectochrome or whatever. Yeah. Um. But really, all you're doing is shifting around white balance and 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 tint. 
you know what I mean? And, and shadows and doing whatever it is. And I guess that's all the different colors of the different films were was this one's a little hotter in cyan's because it's more sensitive to that. You know what I mean? It's all that it's people get crazy with this stuff. It's just nuts. Um, do you, so you read a lot of these, do you read a bunch of these emails about our film, these films? I did. Yeah, I did. What, what do you think of it? the the general rule seems to be that people like film even though it's a pain in the ass. Is that is that a general consensus? If if yeah, if you were going to boil it down to it that it's it's still worth it as a pursuit, like as a hobby pursuit, but I didn't get that a lot of people are still shooting film professionally. No. That it's 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 I love doing this because it slows me down, it lets me think about I mean all the things that we've talked about. Sure. Um still yeah. true. Slows me down, lets me think about it. Um, in some cases it is, it is about the physical media, having a physical, uh, uh, record copy of, of this scene, event, person, whatever it is. I don't want to trust that to bits and bytes. I want to have a physical copy that I can store in a negative carrier, you know, whatever it is. And I think that's an, that's a really interesting exploration, partially because I've been going through a lot of family photos and things, uh, myself and, you know, you've done some scanning and, 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 you know, archiving of things. And it's, there is something still about the physical thing. Yeah. You know, even if it's, you know, I, I look at, I look at a photo of whatever, a photo that I've scanned of my dad and I, um, which I was looking at cause yesterday was his birthday. Um, I don't get the same reaction, uh, internally, emotionally as I do holding that thick, you know, three by five or whatever it was, you know, paper with the scalloped edges. There's something different about that experience than there is looking at it on the screen. Yes. And I think that extends into the taking of the pictures as well. And there's something about people like loading film. They like the smell of the chemistry or like whatever it is, whatever it is that, that gets you going. There is definitely a visceral connection. Is there a qualitative difference? Yeah. Digital looks better. I mean, it's, yeah, most of the people it, it, who wrote in were would say that it's not about the. I mean, they like the look of the film, but they understand its deficiencies. Yes, and that's that's not why that's not why you do it. Yeah. You know, it's not why you listen to you know cassette tapes or you know whatever it is. It, people it, still listen to cassette tapes. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I know the kids are listening. That's a kid that came back. Cassette tapes. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's something that, that transcends the, the, the output. It's, it's, it's the making that's different, I think. And, and, and the enjoying of it, it's not, I'm not, nobody's looking at their photos from their childhood going, boy, look at that edge to edge sharpness. Yeah. You know, look at that, look at those totally accurate colors. Yeah. Nobody's doing that. Do you have a lot because of, that's not what it's about. do you have a lot of negatives from your childhood or is it all just I a, do. a print? Okay. Yeah, no, I've got, I'm, I'm really fortunate. When Linda <laughs> sent me this big box of, of photographs, um, the prints are there, but so are the negative sheets. How different did the negatives look to the prints? Say again, I'm sorry. How different do the negatives look to the prints? You know, that's hard to say because all I do is I, I've taken them out to see that they're there, but I haven't looked at them under a loop or, or I haven't scanned them or anything. It might be interesting to go back and scan some of them and see how they're holding find up. Find your favorite and see if you can find the negative for it and rescan. I bet you it would be, could be transcendental. It could be uh, really could be. different than the prints because prints back then, prints now, like a four by six print does not hold all that a 35 millimeter right. negative can give you. Right. And, um, and most of my family photos, you know, I've still got the sleeves that they came in, the, the paper sleeves. And sure. They're from like Kmart. 
or photo mat or something. It's not photo like they mat. were high end, you know, but it is interesting labs. how, uh, how bad a lot of family pictures, once you actually scan them and look at them, you're like, wow, that's really out of focus. Or, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, there's a technical deficiencies that we would never allow nowadays as, as photographers who care about this stuff was the, your favorite picture probably wouldn't make the cut nowadays. Um, no. And I, but isn't that interesting that, that, and, and again, over the course of 350 whatever episodes, we've talked about the fetishizing, uh, that goes on with, with pictures. And it, at the end of the day, it either connects with you on a, on a visceral or emotional level, and that's going to be much more powerful and much more resonant long-term than a memory that goes, you know, I, that photo from 1978 was really sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it is funny. There's this thing going on, on social media right now where people are putting up pictures of themselves at 21. Have you seen this? Okay. Uh, okay. Is this a thing? I just saw that a friend of mine that I used to work with at Universal just posted his, he's like, this is me at 21. And yeah. I was like, okay, interesting. This Why? Is, this is so a, it's thing. a thing. It's a thing. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. But what, what, what kind of amazes me is the number of people my age or a little older, like say your age, right? Where, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, I still got this cold, that you would have a hard time finding a picture of you at 21. You're like, well, maybe this is when I was in college. So it's could be 20, could be 22. Maybe it's 21. Yeah. That's what would that be? That would be 18, 1988. <laughs> yeah. 1862. <laughs> yeah. 1988. Right. Um, that would have been college. Right. I don't know that I have any photographs of me in college. Okay. I don't think I do. Okay. To, 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 and, and this contrasts with, say, you know, my young 20-year-old friends, the girls, as I call them, who probably have 700,000 pictures of them at, <laughs> right. at age 20. <laughs> right? Right. And I'm not dissing on them. It's just the reality yeah. of, I mean, honestly, there may be 700,000 pictures of them from this last year. Yeah. From all and their friends. 550,000 of them themselves. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, but this yeah. is, it's just, it's like, if, so if in 30 years, if somebody says, oh, show me yourself at 21, it's like they can literally just say me at 21 into the computer and it'll pull up 700,000 photos. Right. Like how different that is in a generation. You know, that the, yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. You, you would have a hard to... time finding one. They have so many, they wouldn't be able to choose. Yes. But if you go, if you go backwards 10 years yep. from, you know, me from 12 years old or 13 years old back to birth, I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photographs of, so, of us, of me growing up. Who was taking those pictures? Your dad? My dad, my stepmother, my mom. Okay. I don't think that's true of everybody though. No, I don't. And that's what, that's what she was saying. She said now, you know, some of her friends that, that, you know, have kids, grandkids, they have photos, but they're at significant events. They don't have the volume that, that we were lucky enough to have for my childhood. Wait, were, are these the ones you talked about when you got back from your trip? These photos? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. she sent them to you. She, well, she sent me a box, uh, several years back and I just, oh, okay. I never really went through them. Um, but there are, like I said, hundreds and hundreds of them. But there, the, she, then, I think you said that there are even more out in California still. There are, yeah, there are more out in California. She also sent me probably 60, 70 rolls of Super 8 film. Okay. 
So we've got movies of things that, you know, from You have a projector or are you going to send it in? I have a couple projectors, yeah. Oh, look um, at you. And then, yeah, my, my, there's a, there's a hope chest. That's a, uh, like a maple hope chest. That's got my grandfather's and grandmother's photographs of my dad and his brothers as kids. Yeah. I mean, this is the stuff. I mean, I, you know, we have those pictures of my dad that we talked about the other day and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I just think about it is from the point of view of say my nephew, Bert, it's like, well, Bert never knew my father. Right. Does he, does he really care? You know, and if it's a picture of my father's father, I mean, other than in an eighth grade, you know, genealogy project you do or whatever <laughs> it is. Report, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, there's that old guy with no hair. And I remember my grandfather, right? There's all this, this overlap that happens, right? Mm -hmm. This sort of interleaving of lives thing that happens. Um, how, how far back in terms of, of relatives, did you ever know or your great grandparents? No, they were all gone. Uh, yeah, same. My, same. In fact, my, my grandmother, my father's mother, by the time the year I was born, she had a stroke and she was in a wheelchair. So oh, wow. for my entire childhood, my father's mother, uh, was in a wheelchair huh. and I can't even imagine her walking around. Right. Every once in a while I'll yeah, see yeah. a picture of her standing up and you're just like, wait, how are you standing up? <laughs> What's behind Gra you? <laughs> Grandma could walk, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Because every time I ever saw her, she was either she was in her wheelchair sitting at the the kitchen table. That's all. That's she never mm. left the wheelchair sitting at the kitchen table when I was a kid. Um, yeah, but it's, and it's, if you if you saw photos of her as a younger woman, would that would that trigger anything for you, or is it still so distant that you? I mean, you would react the same way as Bert reacting to his. Great grandparents. I mean, I would point. react more than Bert, but less than my father, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that is, that's what happens, right? This, this like diminution of, 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 of memory or something. I don't know. You know, it's like, it just, but, it, but it, it, you know, I was thinking about it and I did not post a picture of myself at 21, but I was thinking about it. <coughs> 21. Let's see. I would have been, it would have been my first year at Berkeley. So or second year at Berkeley. So it would have been, yeah, I maybe would have been in the dorms, maybe right after the dorms, but like, I don't know if I have any photos yeah. from them, from them. I think I have a couple from like after college when I was at Texas Shakespeare or Alabama Shakespeare. Well, I know I've got a couple from Alabama Shakespeare. So that would have been, you know, 90, 91, 90, something like that. Right. But it, there aren't a ton, right? It's not like no. a, it's not a no brainer. It's not like, oh yeah, I'll, here's five of them. I guess these are the ones that I'm going to use. Right. And that, that to me is a little nuts that, that it's not that, it's not that long ago, you know? Right. Um, and, and I can't find a picture of that from, from an entire year of my life and I don't have a single picture from it. That seems weird to me. Maybe I'm. Yeah. I mean, it. yeah, I guess. Now that I'm, I mean, I haven't really thought about it, but I, like after high school, I don't know that there's a, I don't know that there's a single photo of me in my entire college experience until, yeah, until, yeah, I don't think there is. Yeah. Like I just found a picture of me at my college graduation. Hmm. You know, that's, you know, that's. 
but that's not the year I'm talking about. You know, I'd have to find a picture of me in the dorm rooms. And I know there's a handful of pictures of me in dorm rooms, but I don't know. You know, it's, it's very, it's very, it's weird to me. It's almost like, um, not my, that, not that my past is being erased because it wasn't there to begin with, but I thought that there was right. more there than I, Ooh, than there really was. That's interesting. Yeah. It's not that it's being erased. It's that it wasn't there to begin with. That contrast that with, like you said, the girls from, from now until forever, there, are, there will always be some records of the years of their life. And not just and that I don't video. think that's uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but at the same time, like it always has been. In general, it's it's going to be the times when they're having a good time or they're out with their friends or they're with family and we take a selfie or something, right? It's not going to be it's not going to be the time when, you know, one of them was breaking up with their girlfriend and they were really sad and they're crying. They're not gonna there's not gonna be right. a lot of pictures of that. Right. But at least there will be something, which I think what you're getting at is different than what it sounds like you and I have. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe several people in our kind of demographic. Yeah. Yeah. The world, the world, the world has changed. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's, well, it's, yeah. Cause now everybody's wearing the, the vision headsets. What do you think of that thing? Have you, have you, have you, have you looked at any of these reviews and things? I, I think it's, uh, it's an interesting piece of tech. I think it's goofy in practice because you're already seeing knuckleheads wander around the city with these things. Including Casey Neistat, head. by the way. It's goofy. And I, you know, it's, I don't, I don't like the, I mean, look, phones are addictive and distracting and intrusive enough. My God, can you imagine having, giving corporate America access to your field of vision 24 seven? Yeah. No, thank you. I, I, I will, I will tell you that it, it gives me very little to no interest. It gives me no, it gives me no excitement looking at that. Um, I think partly due to the fact that I have my my little vertigo thing. It's like, man, the last thing I need is something that's like shifting my perception of reality and adding th- like, no. In fact, yeah. I've, I've watched I've watched people, you know, playing with it and doing their thing. And I just think to myself, that just seems like nightmare fuel for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I just my brain can't I can't do that. I can't. You, what? No, 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 no. Um, People love it though, man. People seem to be really excited about it. I oh, they've sold. I I read a statistic. They sold you know hunt, a couple hundred thousand units before launch day. Well, you also got to figure that these people are all these are rich Apple folks who can just go do stuff like that, right? You yeah. know, like they're going to sell. There's a billion. You know, they, okay. There was a there was a stat this week that some organization worked out that there are 14 billion videos on YouTube. Because YouTube doesn't say. Oh, really? They don't have those stats available? No. But somebody did like a statistical analysis of what's available and what gets linked to and blah, 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 blah. And have, yeah. and it's added up to about $14 billion is their estimate. Huh. Now, just to think if each one of those was a minute long, which they're not. <laughs> think how, how much video is up there and how there's no way you could possibly watch all that video. Right. And I can't listen to all the podcasts that I've got bookmarked. Exactly. I can't even imagine how much time you'd have to spend on video. So I guess the question is, you know, you, you, you make your unboxing video. It's man, (laughs) right? 
Yes. This is my problem with even thinking about doing any sort of video stuff. It's like, well, God, I talk about, you know, pouring a cup of water into the ocean. Yeah. I well, mean, I, I, okay. I think that it comes back to what a lot of people have said. You, you can't, you can't make anything with the expectation that it's going to find an audience. Right. You can hope that it will. Yeah. But you're fighting against tastes, which are shifting algorithms, which are shifting. Uh, the, apparently the other thing that they said, by the way, is uh, that the number of followers you had is very little indication of how well a video does. And it's the algorithms like pr uh, promotion of your video, which is everything. Yeah. See, and, and look, I have no illusions. I, I did this, this, as Bill mentioned, I did this little unboxing and it's not even really an unboxing. It's, it's, it's me appreciating the packaging design of these little mic wireless mics. That by the I way, got I didn't mean day. to diminish your video. By no, 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 you didn't at all. You didn't at all. Um, I, 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 I had no illusions that it was going to, uh, you know, garner millions of views. In fact, you know, it's been 10 days and it's, I'm looking at it right now, 150 views in 10 days. So this, this is not the, uh, you know, the, the Mr. Beast video that's going to allow me to buy an Island next to Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be a video. Right. But it doesn't matter because I didn't, you know, I didn't. That's not do it what for you that. were going for. No, and it's. But is I that think, what most people are going for when they are doing it? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, right? That's that's what because views equals potential dollars, and dollars equals whatever. But I think if you look at every part of my certainly my freelance career, it's almost like I'm going more niche. And I'm, 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 I'm catering to smaller and smaller audiences as time goes on. Yeah. And I don't think there's a problem with that, really. If you let go of the fact that it's, it's not going to make a ton of money, but the people who like it, they really like it. The people who listen to the show really like, you know, by and large. Sure. Um, it's okay to not be you know, a, a, a widely appealed or a widely, you know, it, it's okay. It's okay. Um, it's, it takes a long time to, to really, I think, believe that. And I still find myself going, well, you know, I'm a worthless sack of shit because I can't monetize every single thing that I do. Like, no, that's not the, reason. the aforementioned case, <laughs> Casey Neistat. Um, but it's, it's kind of, you know, I watched a Peter McKinnon video the other day. Okay. And what's up? And <laughs> he was talking about journaling and there was one page in his journal and I, I screen grabbed it because I thought it was really cool. And it was, it was unexpected from, I didn't expect to see something like this from him because I've got, you know, this sort of preconceived notion about what he's all about. And obviously that's, you know, not fair. And it's, it's probably not even right. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, yeah. So he's got his journal and it, there's, it's open to a page and the page is called guide to creativity. And there are two columns and the column on the left has a green check mark above it. And the column on the right has a red X. The column on the left starts with passion equals fun equals happiness equals money. And that's got the green check mark. And in the column on the right, it starts with money and that equals stress and that equals no fun and that equals dead passion. 
you think it's that straightforward? Uh, I think it is for him now because he's in a, and maybe it always has been. Again, I don't know Peter, um, but it seems like you you could you could be cynical about that and go, well, yeah, he can say that now because he's got blah 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 right. blah. But right. you know what his his audience has dropped, his income has dropped, and he's documented that he's had to move from the big giant you know funhouse studio into something smaller, smaller, smaller. So I think maybe there's been a retooling of what's important to him. I hope that's the case, and. I think a lot of people out there who are making will tell you that, yes, you, you might get more money from drop shipping Amazon products or AliExpress products, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, that's also kind of empty. Sure. And it's been a long realization, speaking just for myself, it's been a long realization to get to a point where I go, yeah, there are things that I could do to make money if that was the case. But I would also hate myself because right. that's what I'm chasing. You know, and, yeah. and it's 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 that point of, you know, kind of goes back to to the conversation I had with my stepmother years and years ago of asking her, why doesn't she paint for a living? She's a fabulous, fabulous painter and always has been. And she said, because I never wanted the thing that I love to become my job. Yeah. I didn't want to have to do it. I didn't want to have to do it to pay rent or to make my car payment or whatever. Because it, 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 it sucks the joy out of it for me. And I think there are uh, probably a lot of people out there kind of nodding their heads right now going, yeah, it's, that's the way it is for me too. I hope that's the case. Yeah. 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 I mean, do, 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 I see, I go back and forth on that. I, I understand what she was saying. My other flip side though is like, so wait, I'm supposed to spend a third of my life doing something that I don't care about. That also seems like a dangerous place to be. Does that make sense? That that yeah, but that's kind of the game. Yeah, right? like either either I mean, unless you're lucky enough. Yeah, either you choose to do what you love and hell with the consequences, win or lose, or you say I'm not going to put that on the table. I'm not going. I'm not going to put that in 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 in. Yeah, but don't don't you do that now to a certain extent? Not you're put not it out in? there. You're not out there making, you know, drabbles or environmental whatever's that that you really dig. Yeah, all the time. You're, no, you're, I mean, you're I kind I, of, but I'm shooting all the time. You're shooting all the time, but you're not always shooting what you want. So yeah, they're, they're, you're making sure. compromises. In, oh no, in, I'm, in I'm, not, I'm not right, but I'm but I'm not saying I'm not going to do photography as a job because. I, I'd rather go work something else for forty hours a week and then keep photography as. Uh, 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 be, remain an amateur and do it for the love of it because therefore it does, it's not corrupted by money, which is kind yeah. of what she's saying, mm-hmm. um, which I, I'm not saying it's not a valid pursuit, but I guess the, the flip side of it is that, well, then you're spending a whole lot of time doing something that you don't really care that much about. Is it better to do what you care about and fail than not do it at all? I guess is the question. Or you maybe you get so good at the thing that you don't care about that it only takes you ten hours a week instead of forty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to go back to our freedoms. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, it's you know that idea of do what you love and the money will follow. Yeah. You no, know, it's not true. Something that that's not true. That's yeah. something that my mom told me growing up. Do what you love and the money. Will, well, I did what I love, and guess what? The money didn't follow. Right. But to be fair, I mean, sometimes it did. Sure. But it didn't follow consistently. Well, let's, let's say that. Sure. But I mean, if, if what you did, what, if what you loved was being a lawyer, 
or if what you loved was building bridges or what you loved, you know, the problem is that what we love is a thing that society doesn't have that much respect for. Yeah. Right. Wow. Bill just sent me a photo. There's a lot going on in this photo here, Bill. I don't even know where to begin with this. Me at 21. <laughs> wow. There's a lot going on there, my friend. That's me and uh, my roommate at the time, Rob Wheeler, because I was first year there, but I, cause I went to the university of Connecticut for two years and then I transferred to Berkeley Okay, and was there for three years. So this is in Connecticut. <clears throat> no, this is at Berkeley in my first dorm room. So Rob okay. there was two years younger than me. He was eighteen. Uh, Rob and my other roommate Sean Zatero were were <clears throat> we were all in this room together. But I was two years older than them, so I was sort of like the yeah. elder. So statesman. let's 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 see what's going on here. Bill's art collection consists of what looks like. No, that was Rob's corner of the room. That is not mine. Okay, it looks like what uh, beer labels that were carved out of 12-pack boxes and affixed to the wall. Yeah, definitely not me. <laughs> I was going to say, that explains why you don't drink anymore. Um, yeah, this, there's a lot going on here. Uh, um, also, you'll notice the Omega Sub book. On I the, see that on okay. the left side. Now, that yeah. is a paperback by a guy named J.D. Cameron, some, you know, sort of, you know, uh, uh, Jack Reacher kind of. Uh, oh, okay. series, right? That was like one of them. And uh, Rob loved those those books. And a friend of ours worked at the Copy Cop, which was a like a Kinko's. Like thing. a Kinko's? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, around the corner, but the night shift from midnight to 6 a.m. or something. Oh, well, so it was open, open season on the color copier, wasn't it? Right. So we would go there <laughs> to, to, to see my friend Ben Howe from high school, uh, who was working there at night, had dropped out of school and was working there at night. And uh, we, we used to just do crazy things like make giant scan paperbacks and make big posters of it and put it on the wall and stuff. And that I was my girlfriend at the time, Jennifer Blake for a very short amount of time. Hi, Jennifer. Jennifer Blake. She's an actor. You ever keep in touch with her? Uh, I think that maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, we, you know, we was like a, Hey, how you doing? Kind of thing, you know, 10 years after college kind of thing. Jennifer Blake, what is she doing now? What are you, Jennifer, what are you doing? She was an actress. What are, what are you? Uh, She's an actress. Yeah, out in out in LA. And your roomie looks like uh he's a fun guy. He is he is now a uh uh a uh, teacher. He's a prankster. No, he's a teacher. He he's a, he's a he's a band guy at a school in Maine. They, I would say he looks like he's got his hands full, but you know he probably doesn't. Uh-huh. They they pulled his, <laughs> they found him at his whatever school he was teaching at in Massachusetts, and and brought him to this school in Maine to be the band director of this school that has a really high end is a public school where the superintendent of the of the the area of the district I guess or whatever school district yeah. uh, really wanted to put an emphasis on arts in their thing I don't know how the hell he got that through. And so I, I wonder if uh, maybe Adrian knows him. There are Maine. there are four jazz bands in his school. Wow. Yeah. That and he does wow. marching band and he does he's like a really big wig guy. He's a trumpet player. In fact, he played on my Time Stop song that I recorded a couple of years ago when I did a thing. Hmm. We reconnected and I said, "Hey, can I send you some tracks?" and he's like, "Yeah." And so he played so I'm on I'm going to have to go look. I don't think I have any photos, but I'll go look. I'll look. I thought this is the only one I can think of that is from that. I'm probably 21 in it. 
And you just, you had this scanned and queued up already or did you no, find I, the... No, I, I remember having a picture. So I looked, I did a search on my, in Dropbox for, I said Berkeley and, and this is what came up because I think I must have, you know, tagged it with that stuff. Mm. I wonder, in fact, I wonder what I had it tagged under. Let's see. It's called Wheeler, Me and Blake. Oh, that's what I did. I looked up Blake. Okay. So, I, you know. Do you do you tag do you tag things well? Do you name things well? Are you good at you know, that? No, because I don't have any sort of uh archiving or, or library software anymore. Well, I'm not I, I, I just do it I'm in not the, using, I just do it in the file name now, or at least for a lot of stuff, because at least I know that it's there, you know? Mm, yeah, no, I don't uh, I need to especially as I'm starting to photograph and catalog all my artwork and collages and all that kind of stuff, I need to get back into Lightroom and, and build a proper catalog. It's tricky. Yeah. It's, all of this stuff is really hard to do well. Oh, I found Jennifer Blake. And there's no one way to do it. There's no right answer. No. It's, it's, it really is what works for you. Because, I mean, you, you, we've talked about this before. You do things differently than, than I would. And I've kind of looked at your naming convention, for example, of your folders. And you're and crazy. Gone, no. And gone, wow, this is cool. This, this, this makes sense. I try to keep mine pretty simple, but I, you know, I don't put a lot of stuff in metadata in the files because mm. sometimes when you export that stuff gets lost. Sometimes, you know, the different softwares look at that metadata differently. It, it's funny because metadata should be the answer, right? Like let's have the computer keep stuff in the file that has the answer to who all the people are. And what the, what's funny is when you go look at the old family pictures and somebody wrote either on the back or on the photo and it says, Jim, you know what I mean? Like yeah. right next to yeah. the guy and you're like, well, why'd they deface that photo? That's what you think initially. And then you're like, hold on a second. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Linda was really great about uh, documenting on the back of the photo where it was, who was in it and what year. She's fantastic about it. Yeah. So a lot of these photos that I have now, I, I can flip them over and know because I'm terrible about remembering. In fact, I called her yesterday and said, Hey, this, this trip to Lake Shasta, how, when was that? It wasn't, was I seven? Was I eight? Did she come up with it? Oh yeah. Yeah. She knew right off the top of her head. See, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's, I, I, I wish that I was that good at it. I mean, if, if I just, if I go into use Google photos at all. No. Okay. So I upload everything from my phone goes into Apple, you know, goes into photos on, on my phone, which gets backed up to iCloud. I also have everything going into Dropbox that I shoot on my phone goes into a uploads thing on Dropbox. So there's like a secondary copy. And then I also have it all going to Google photos because Google photos is so good to just do random searches on stuff. Hmm. If you say, you know, me in a room with a TV, it'll find all the pictures of me in a room with a TV, which is crazy handy when you're just looking for stuff like that. Or I say, show me all the pictures of me and I can scroll through the 5,000 pictures and go down maybe towards the beginning where I scanned a few pictures in, in 20, 2005 or whatever. And that's Is probably it where still that a came free from. service. Google photos. Yeah. But you have to pay for the storage if you go over the amount of storage that they give you. Ah, but okay, I pay for, okay. uh, I don't know, 20 gigs or something anyway, because I, for my email. Uh, cause I, my email still, still through Gmail, but it's, it's really good at that. And it's really good at saying, you know, is this person, that person, you know, that, that kind of, uh, right. it's very handy for that, which is kind All of right. cool. Apparently I, I do have Google photos. I have, I have some photos here on Google. I'm looking at them. And do you, 
hmm. uh, is it automatically doing anything? Autom- automatically putting Not it up anymore. there? Not anymore. It hasn't, hasn't looked like the last one was 2018. Yeah. I just, I find it handy to have these things a lot of places. Is it suck? Oh, Google's got pictures now of you and your friends from college. It's like, yeah, okay. You know, I'd, I'd rather have a copy somewhere that I know that there's extra copies that I'm worried about, you know, people getting pissed about it. Um, uh, right. That, that to me is not enough of a, 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 a distinction. You know, I found a picture of me and Bert where Bert is like a little kid and he's, you know, he and I are like leaning over the edge of this, uh, couch from behind. And now Bert's like 13 and this is when he was four or something like that. And he Mm. couldn't be cuter. I just sent you that picture. He couldn't be cuter. And it's like, well, you know what? I would maybe lose that photo if it weren't for the fact that I, it's tagged with Bert and me, you know, I could look up pictures of Bert and me and they all just come up. I don't know. It's pretty neat. Mm. Um, I got a photographer of the week. Uh, yeah. Is this the one from last week? Yeah. You said, yeah. Uh, although, you know, paste, paste in something here. Can I do this? Uh, you can try. No, it doesn't work. Okay. Uh, man, uh, by the way, uh, I'll maybe use them for photographer of the week next week, or we'll talk about it next week. But I was, I was listening to a Wynton Marsalis record and, uh, the cover photograph is kind of ridiculous. Just Wynton sitting there with his, you know, there's like a girl deep in the, in the deep background sitting on a couch, but he's in the foreground with his trumpet. You know, it's like one of those kinds of things. Being, being Wynton. Yeah. It's, you know, late eighties jazz album yeah. kind of looking thing uh his brother Brantford just yeah. got named uh what is he uh some like the the head of i don't i don't want to say the head dean i don't know what it is uh of the ellis marcellus jazz school in new orleans his father's oh, that namesake makes total sense uh yeah, uh, yeah. talk about a talented family Oof. yeah well yeah. all of them play incredible instruments oh yeah absolutely and the, so the, 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 anyway, I looked up the guy who took the picture on the cover and it was like some photographer I had never heard of. And I'm sorry, I don't have it at my fingertips, but I like looked him up. I'm like, who is this guy? So I started looking up things and then I get a listing of where he sold his Soho apartment for $30 million. This photographer? Yes. Holy cow. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, where'd that money come from? Cause I know things were good in the eighties, but was it that good? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, was, is this Jay Maisel? No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The that's, bank building? that's the thing. It was, it was that kind of absurdity. And it turns out he was married to a Victoria's Secret model. Maybe he had family money. Who knows? You know what I mean? Like, you know, right. you never know nowadays. But I just thought that that was uh, funny. Oh, that's your dad. That's my dad. Yeah, I just sent you a picture. Man, you, yeah, you and your dad look nothing like each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look at your dad with that hair. Look at that hair. Yeah. Do you have? Did he yeah. wear coveralls a lot? When he was out, yeah. I mean, he's taking apart a motor. I mean, look at the sure, sure, stack sure. of pistons behind him on look, the ground. Look at the yellow shirt he's wearing underneath it. Was he like stripping it off and going to the disco afterwards? <laughs> those are those are seventies collar right there. Yeah. Uh, uh, we didn't we didn't do Herbert List last week, right? We 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 decided we did your guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Herbert List. L-I-S-T. Okay, simple. Okay. In fact, there's a Herbert List Instagram, Herbert underscore List. Oh, look at him. There he is. The reason why this guy is long dead, by the way, 
uh, he is a uh, German photographer, uh, 1903 to 1975, uh, you know, eventually worked for Vogue and Harper's Bazaar and Life, and he was associated with Magnum. He's like one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, we talked about this a little bit after the show last week, because this is yep. the guy who shoots um, a lot of his photographs that are really remembered now are of men, young men, mm-hmm. uh, including a lot of like nude or seemingly nude, like men bathing in lakes and the, you know, that kind of thing, which in the 1930s, uh, cause this guy was gay, um, was not looked upon kindly. Yeah. Um, very risque. Compared yeah. To now. Sure, and it's, sure. it's, it's so interesting cause you look at this stuff and, and you think, man, this could be, uh, what's his name from the eighties? Uh, her Brits. Her Brits, right? Yep. It's like, yep. okay, this is proto Her Brits 50 years before Her Brits did it. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot this of this stuff, stuff looks really modern. You know, like it, like it could be an Abercrombie and Finch ad now. Um, yeah. I mean, this. I'm looking at his Instagram. These, these kids in the boat with, with like the, the fishing pole kind of sticking out of the boat. It totally looks like an ad. Yeah. 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 Wow. And, and, uh, black and white. And apparently like a lot of people, uh, uh, kind of piled up on him in a, in a bad way, uh, uh, for basically saying that there are similarities to his images superficially to like Nazi imagery of Nazi imagery of, of athletic male bodies of Lenny Riefenstahl stuff and all that kind of stuff. Well, they're, they're basically saying you're doing this idealized form of an Aryan man and whatever it is. And that these, this, all of this is like a big proto thing. But he himself hid all that stuff because all all the gay stuff, because, you know, that that would get him really screwed. Um, And I as as I said to you, he hid uh, a lot of these uh, photos um, uh, hidden uh, bag. He he put them uh, he kept them hidden in his mother's house in a sack. He called his poison bag. He never published that. He never published the male nudes in his lifetime. but he, uh, he he was influenced in his dis, uh, dis, uh, depiction of romantic paganism uh, by like this like youth movement and physical health movement from the late 1800s, uh, though he did not join any of its associations. And some of the ideals were co-opted by the Nazis of, of these romantic realist, you know, theories and stuff. So he kind of it's sort of like he was in a parallel thing with some of the early sort of Nazi imagery. But he himself was sort of against all of that stuff. It's just that, mm. you know aesthetically he he ended up in that place so i don't know man like i think that i think it's interesting to see whenever you see oh, what wow. do you find a really good one yeah sorry no keep going i'll send this to you okay um i think it's interesting to see how much stuff was going on under the surface through all time with you know sexual minorities and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like that, that all these pictures were happening and all of these people, this guy was in love with all of these other young men and taking pictures of them, but you know, he couldn't publish them in his lifetime because of the way mm-hmm. people would feel about it. Well, that picture. And great. now they, they look like Calvin Klein ads. Yes. And now we're using it to sell this stuff. Like that is the peak of, mm-hmm. of aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. Which is just fascinating. How, wait, how did that, you know, how did that turn around come? There's also that picture a little bit further up. Did you see this one, uh, copy of, uh, the guy up in, uh, um, can I not, co- I can't copy that. 
uh, uh, up in, uh, he's doing um, uh, ballet. And then the two women yeah. are behind him and it's all, yeah, it's all, all blurred, smeared. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Um, it's a great picture. It's interesting to me because I think about that and I was like, well, how long of an exposure was that? Uh, half a second maybe? <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with, with the content of it. It's just like, well, wait a minute. If he's at this and sh- there, well, I'm just thinking if I was going here? to take that picture, how would I do it? And how he didn't know what he was going to get. He didn't have the back of the camera. He was just taking pictures, long exposures, probably on a tripod. Right. And, and getting By the way, these... you can still get his book, Panopticum, uh, 45 bucks on Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, the, like, yeah, the, the proto Herb Ritz thing is the thing that really gets me. Same. Yeah. I same. mean, it's like, are you kidding me? Like these, these beautiful men with these crazy bodies and like, you know, uh, there's this one of the guys, in fact, maybe I'll use this as the, as the image uh, for the day where the one guy sitting, I'm sending this to you. One guy sitting on the right side of the frame and it's all the, like the butts of all these other guys, uh, uh, standing away. But like, look how cool the guy is. He's just like looking, it's great composition. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, and to, but, and to think in the 1950s, guys were wearing bathing suits that small. I mean, that is like, that looks like a gay bathhouse from the seventies, you know, mm-hmm. and this is 1950s Munich post-war, of course, at that point. Um, yeah, this is really nice stuff. Really nice. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so I wanted to uh, put them there. Herbert yeah, List. Yeah, good one. Uh, good one. Somebody different. Uh, that color shot that I sent you of Gina Lollobrigida. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, I, you look at that stuff and it's funny. Color photography, especially like 1950s color photography, has that particular look. If you're using, maybe if you're using strobes or you're using lights, you know, it's it's kind of cyan-y. You know that kind of mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. that Kodaky look um, mm-hmm. is always interesting to me because I if when you see not great reproductions of them, you wonder it looks dreamlike. And then sometimes if you see really good versions of it, or if you look through a loop at like a, a a negative of one of those things and it actually is sharp and you're like, Oh, that feels so more real to me. So much more real to me when you see a high res version of it, than seeing a low res version of it, the low res version of it feels like a dream. The high res version of it feels like reality somehow, you know? Yeah. I just sent you that Gina Lola Brigida shot reminds me of this Halsman shot of, of oh, uh, sure. Elizabeth uh, Taylor, yeah. that same kind of your, that aesthetic quality. To this, it. And this, this one, I bet you, if you saw the full res version of it, as it were, it would probably look three dimensional too. Yeah. In a way that it yeah. doesn't in this like, you know, low res version. Yeah. Great picture. Anyway, there you go. Herbert list. Uh, yeah. Good one. Really good one. If you want to, you got anything Herbert else? list, Herb Ritz coincidence. But um, it's his father. Yeah, right. They look Wouldn't exactly that be wild if there was like some connection? That would be wild, right? Yeah. I, well, I doubt there's a connection because that I mean, guy look, was gay. Look at the, but the yeah. shot of the look at the shot of uh, black guy looks like he's nude beach. I mean, that could easily be an outtake from Herb Ritz shot with German Hunsu. Hunsu is that how you pronounce his name? German Hunsu. Oh yeah. But easily and beautiful shot. And listen, I, I don't know enough about Herb Ritz to know who his influences were, but I wouldn't be surprised if this was one of his main influences. No, wouldn't be surprised at all. Wouldn't be surprised at all. So, you know, it's, 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 you know, yeah, good find. I, I like when things also feel very contemporary and they're a hundred years old. 
Mm -hmm. You look at something from the 1930s and you're like, man, that would be hip as shit if you shot it today. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Would you really say that? It would be hip as shit? I'm saying it right now. (laughs) It's hip as shit. Look at this one that I just sent. This this is this is a, a Calvin Klein obsession ad from you know two thousand seven. Yes. yes, that's what I'm talking about. And this was nineteen thirty seven or Italy, something. Italy nineteen nineteen thirty six. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Crazy. Anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. So I'll put a link to his Instagram in there because I think it's worth it. Yeah, um, good find. Really. How did you find this again? Uh, actually, there was an Instagram story that somebody I follow put up as a. Oh man, look at this guy! You know, one of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, and it was it was an animated thing. It was like a, a, a an actual story story, I think. Uh, huh. Which I saw. Yeah, here we go. Herbless. I'm going to send this to you uh, in Instagram just so you can see it. I'll see if I can find a way to do a link to it. But I just thought I, I forget who put it up, but it was um, may have been Simon Devitt or somebody. Oh, like that. look at this! Even with the uh, the squid, are you kidding me? Yeah. So it's all copies. There you go. Yeah, that, it's even closer. So it that, probably was. He pro- It's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So there you go. Herbert List, ahead of his time, that dude. Ahead of his time. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic find. Uh, good stuff. Uh, I like finding all, right. all these people we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, this is great. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Uh, or uh, send us a voicemail, 929-390-1916. Oh, one last thing. Uh, Which I still don't get, by the way. Oh, I know. Thank you. I'm I'm on it. I'm on it. Uh, uh, (laughs) uh, I got an email last night from from Tom in Michigan. Yeah, Tom in Michigan. But you got one? We didn't get it. Well, he sent it to me. He said, All right. Happy Tuesday. I I mean, Judas. I I have a question, or rather, I'd love to hear your thoughts (laughs) on a particular matter, particular cover, album cover art. Right. Oh, so you're the guy he no, reaches out hold to. Hold on for a album minute. Cover. Right, wait, I see just wait. Is. The album is U2's song, uh, Songs of Surrender, the, the four individual shots of the guys. Have you seen this two by two cover? No. All right. No. So look up U2. U2 Songs of Surrender. Next sentence I'm emailing you, uh, only you, thinking you could propose this to Jeffrey on the fly when you record. That's why he did it. Okay. All right. All right. What do we got? What, what are you proposing? All right. So his question, he says, I won't be offended oh, if it wow. doesn't fit into the flow of the show. Wonder what you guys have to say about it. I'm withholding my opinion. Smiley face. The edge without his signature beanie. Yes. Now, I know enough about you two to know that those are not new photos of them. Right? I don't know. Or at least it's an old um, photo of Bono. That's Bono at like Bono. 25 years old. Yeah. Yeah. No signature beanie, but also... Oh, it's not cut off. It's in one of the versions I saw. It's actually his head is cut off. This is a really uh, wait. So what? What does Tom want, want us to do? Wants, Just he, comment on yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. He wants to know what you think. I don't like it. I don't like how. First of all, I don't like how Bono looks to be uh, decades younger than everybody else. Yes, uh, but I also don't like that that he's the only one on a dark background. So it really singles him out. It doesn't. It feels like. You remember that band Scandal? Scandal? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Goodbye to You was their big song in the 80s. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they changed their 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 name to Patti Smythe and Scandal. Right. Because she wanted... This feels like Bono and U2. Well, hasn't it always kind of been Bono and U2 and Bono's head at least? I don't know. This, I, just, I, don't, I don't really l- like this. 
because it 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 sticks out bono um i agree with you it's it's a little bit like the scene in almost famous where they get the the t-shirts and it's it's like russell hammond up front and everyone else in shadow in the back i mean if you're if you're wanting to put up you know iconic whatever that means to you photos of this iconic again whatever that means to you band these are four strange choices in my opinion I think that if you, you know, uh, I've actually been contacted recently to photograph a band and, and we were talking to, yeah, no, it's not you two. Uh, <laughs> they want you to redo this cover. <laughs> well, and, and we were talking about ideas, um, mm-hmm. to, to do. And, uh, the funny thing is that I have done a thing just like this for, for, for somebody else. Right. Um, where I shot, uh, these people, this band all separately. And then I put them in quadrants, right? Like this is, you know, a thing that this is a thing a lot of people have done, right? This is not Mm -hmm. like some kind of new thing. The question is, is that any good outside of, uh, uh, here, I'll send you my version of, of not my version of this, but like this kind of thing is the, the, the question is, would this Picture, even if you do like it, would it be good if it was just four random guys in a bar band, or is it only good because it's you two? Hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, are these photos really that good, or is it just because they're cool and they're you two and they have great people? Oh, I don't think these. I don't think these photos are very good. No, I don't think there's. There's not. They're really very ordinary. That, I, mean, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Look at the cover of Joshua Tree. Right. Of the four of them, or. You know, look at my oh gosh. I don't. I mean, that that's the one that comes to mind immediately because it's such a great group shot. You know, Bono's not even looking; he's like kind of looking off, being Bono. Sure. Um, same thing with October. You know, look at the cover of October. Um, it. I, I don't know. This just doesn't. It doesn't feel like a band. It feels like four guys. And you got to remember Joshua Tree and Don Corbain. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he. You know. Fantastic. Yeah. Although um, I will tell you, if I went out and shot the cover of that photograph on the cover of Joshua Tree, although it could be cropped, you know, could who knows what the actual shot mm-hmm. looked like. I bet you people would be like, why did you just crop the right side of that off? It's amazing yeah. how how little a little vision most clients have. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I just don't really dig the photos. I mean, even even I'm looking at U2 album covers, even Pop, that was four of them together. But they were cropped in so close, and they were kind of affected that it works. Yeah. Um, this they 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 still look like they're from the same period. This looks like they grabbed. This looks like a, a you know what this looks like. It looks like a mock up for what they want to do for the final photograph. No snap. You know, it looks like the a, they're comping. You know, okay, I want I want you know four quadrants. I want them each here. I'll just, I'll just grab these. Yeah, I don't feel like there's any cohesion to it. Especially all of, I mean, you know, the edge and which one is the one on the lower left, which was like, no, that's not Clay. Larry Mullen Jr. Mullen. There you go. Uh, you know, they're looking near the camera. Who knows the guy with the glasses? Bono, um, Bono can't look in the camera. At least, you know, he can't, his eyes can't handle the look of a camera without glasses on, sunglasses <laughs> right. on. Um, which, I mean, that's really the only consistent thing about the photo the to two kind of other left to corner. Yeah. They're, they're like looking away and the other two are looking straight at. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, yeah. It's a, it's a strange choice. It's, it's not, it's not the, 
It's not the best cover. No. Uh, is, that a, is that a current album? Is that like a Yeah, a this is the record? thing they did recently where they covered a bunch of their old songs and did rearrangements of them during COVID. Huh. Are you a big U2 fan? Um, I'm not now. I, I saw Unforgettable Fire and I saw Joshua Tree and the first Joshua Tree, like, like not the, not the, the one that they just did recently. Um, and actually I didn't see Unforgettable Fire. I just saw Joshua Tree. It was a phenomenal experience. It was, it was like church, right? you know, it, it, I mean, it was, it was, it was a big arena, but at least then Bono had the ability to make it feel much smaller and more intimate than it was. And I think he, you know, maybe that's still the same, although it's, it's hard when you're, you know, they they just did the residency at, at the sphere. It's such a giant arena. And unless you're there, maybe it's, maybe it's different when you're there, but if I, all the video that I've seen, they just look dwarfed by <laughs> the venue. Sure. And it feels so antithetical to what they're, I, I don't but know. I've heard just, people I, going multiple times. Yeah. And that's the thing. I've heard people going and loving it. And I, maybe it's one of those things that seeing a 2D representation of it doesn't do it justice. That right. you have to be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I would hope that that's what it is because otherwise it doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah. I mean, look, they're one of the great bands of all time. I mean, I, I, no disrespect. Um, and, and most of their visuals have been fantastic. Yeah. And, and the stuff they do on their tours, I've never seen them live, but I hear that, especially since like Octum Baby, they do all the crazy stuff on their tours with the screens and, you know, that's, that's been part of their thing for a long time. Um, I like a lot of U2 songs, but I would never choose to put on a YouTube album. Like it's too much U2, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like there's, put it on a soundtrack with a bunch of other people but don't no, don't there, make there, me watch the whole thing there's a bunch of amazing u2 songs but i want to hear that song or two and then i'm just like okay okay turn turn down bono hmm. um yeah i don't know I, I i i agree with you i don't think it's that great i don't think the photos are that great but you know you two can be you too they uh, get to do whatever they want oh yeah. uh one last little thing uh i yeah, i sure. found that macintosh preamp on the street i know <laughs> we're talking a week ago. Bill and I are just talking randomly. And he's like, oh, hey, what's this? Oh, it's a Macintosh amp. Now, for those who wonder if it works, don't know that this is like really high end made in the USA. <laughs> on the street. Stereo gear was just yeah. leaning against a tree outside, which is unfreaking real. Yeah. He's like, should I bring it home? Like, yes. You and I'm looking it at it and it's visual, like as far as like just a quick look, it looked like it was fine. I was like, why? And Jeffrey's just like, there's probably just a bad fuse or something. And I was like, you know what? You're probably right. Let me, I can't just leave this here. I got to at least investigate. So I take it home and I plug it into a power strip just in case. And I hit the power switch and it lights up and it's got these great green lights in the front. That's like their classic thing is the black face with the, with the green backlight. Yeah. If you've ever watched Bosch, you've seen a Macintosh. Amp. He's got a Macintosh. Amp. He's got an old 60s tube Macintosh amp. Um, this is a 1980s preamp, uh, which is uh, transistors and, you know, about $700 on the used market. So not like super fancy, but not certainly not throw it out. Yeah. And, 
and and so I I plugged headphones in and I pulled out a CD player out of the closet and I plugged it into the RCAs and it's got a headphone jack on the front and I plugged it in and it started playing. It worked fine. And I was like, this is just crazy that this is working. <laughs> and I actually sat there. Yeah. It, he texted me a little while later and it, it was just one word. It was just works. Yeah. <laughs> like it works. So I'm so I'm flipping through CD, like books of CDs, right? Which how often are you doing that at all? Right. But right. I had, I had a couple books of CDs. So I'm flipping through CDs, just sticking CDs in there, jumping to track, whatever it is, listening to some music, listening to different headphones, like just trying to like put it through its paces a little bit. And I'm a pretty big audio nerd. So uh, the next day I was like, okay, let's stick this in the real system and and see what it can do with 600 watts and some BMW Nautilus 804s, right? You know, let's, let's, so I pick it up and I bring it over and I put it next to the stereo and I go behind to start plugging things in. And I realized that one of the RCA jacks on the back is cracked like where the insulation and 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 ground outside is cracked off so it's just the center pin i was like ah that's That's why why it's thrown out because that's the one jack you need are right and left out to go to the amp right so i'm not gonna throw this thing out i'm not you know what i mean like at least at the very least i'm gonna try to fix it i feel like i'm fairly handy so I, I bring it back over to the thing. I open it up. I take this top and bottom off of it. And and I go in and I desolder the, the things that are broken. And I have to, the RCA that's in there is sort of press fit in there where it's like kind of crimped on both sides into there. So it's not supposed to come out. It's not like you could unscrew the, the, the jack that's broken. You have to kind of like go in there with needle nose pliers and like kind of bend it out, you know? Yeah. Which I did. And it came out and I'm like, okay. Go on Amazon, $7 for four RCA jacks. You know. Boom, working amp. So I get the thing, and then I ordered a new soldering iron because the soldering iron I had just wasn't getting that hot and it was getting annoying. I was like, you know what? 15 bucks. Let me get a new little soldering iron kit. So I look on the cheap one that's on wire cutter or wherever I found, you know. Got that, and I get them the other day, and the the, the ones that you put in and screw in, it was just too big for the hole like mm. like the threads on the thing i was trying to slide through were the thing keeping it from getting through like that close to the point yeah. where i tried to actually get it to catch and screw it in to the hole you know what i mean like to like yeah couldn't do it but bottom line you got it working well yeah so anyway i got i got a thing and i i i routed it out a little bit got it in totally works and it sounds great so for i love that twenty dollars i fixed a macintosh where, amp like, that i found in the street you gotta love brooklyn Park Slope, man, it's weird. People put out seven hundred dollar <laughs> stereo preamps from the eighties. Anyway, uh, anything else? All right, gang. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for being here. Yep. If you if you would like to set out a seven hundred dollar amp, uh, please email Bill and he will come pick it up <laughs> from your house. You don't have to put it outside. I'll come get it. Yeah. <laughs> You're like the audio recycler of Brooklyn. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. That's right. That's right. All right, gang. Thank you for being here. Going on and on the way we are for so long. Too many fools, it's plain to see something's wrong. As this way, say what you want to say. Though I know your words will end
say we